0: Mi alma te glorifica, Padre. Amen. That's why we're here, Lord, because we want to know you more. We come into your place of worship, into your house, because we want to know you more. We study your word because we want to know you more we pray because we want to know you more we worship and praise you because we want to know you more help us to know you more today lord as we study your word as we dig into second peter chapter 3 and let your holy spirit speak to all of us whether we're in this building or whether we're over the internet lord your spirit is everywhere You said, Lord Jesus, it's expedient that you go away or else the Comforter could not come. The Helper could not come. But if you go away, you will send him, and you did. 2,000 years ago, you sent him, and we're so thankful. And we give you the glory. Lord, let your Holy Spirit be seen here today. Let your power be seen. Let your glory be seen. Let your majesty be seen. As we dig into your word. And may you receive all the glory for it. And may people come to know you today. And they will finally surrender to you. Sometimes people are just lacking courage to surrender. But Lord, today give them that courage that they need. To you be the glory, Lord. Lord in jesus name amen amen you may be seated church god bless you Um, for those of you just tuned in you're listening to freedom church at the palm beaches in lake worth florida lantana florida we're glad you're tuned in stay tuned in and stay with us and come back next week at uh 10 a.m. and Thursday night at 7.15 if you like what you hear. We're a full gospel Bible believing church. We believe that this is the word of God. It is completely accurate. There are no mistakes and we believe it with all of our heart. So here's the key line to Freedom Church. It's all about Jesus here. You aren't going to hear about any other gods. You You might mention some people that think they were God but But there isn't any other God. You know, Jesus very clarified that very clearly, that he was the way, the truth, and the life, and nobody comes to the Father except through him. And so many other ways. Acts 4.12 says, There's no other name under heaven by which you must be saved. Philippians tells us every knee is going to bow. Every tongue is going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. So you might as well do it now with a willing heart. Even the devils, you know, really, the devils are going to... Bow down and say Jesus Christ is Lord. Wow, they won't make it to the kingdom of heaven. They'll end up in the lake of fire. But the point is, they're going to bow. So we might as well, because He is the King. He is the King of Glory. All right, we're in the me- the message today, and the name and it. You know, you're going to wonder. Well, this is going to be the second part of the message, but the hour is coming when. You know Jesus said many of many times in the scriptures, and we're going to look at some of them today. He said, "An hour is coming when," and he goes and, and elaborates a little bit more. We're going to look at some of those here today. Some of them have been fulfilled. Some of them are for today. Some of them are for te- today and tomorrow. And some of them are for the future completely. And we're going to look at them. But first, we're going to look at first our first second Peter. I'm sorry, chapter three. And I'm going to tie that into, well, I'm going to allow the Holy Spirit to tie it into an hour is coming when. So I'm going to read the whole chapter, okay? I'm going to read out of the New American Standard Version. Now, this is now, beloved, the second letter I am writing to you in which I am stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder that you should remember the words spoken beforehand by the holy prophets and the commandment of the Lord and Savior spoken by your apostles. Know this first of all, that in the last days mockers will come with their mocking, following after their own lusts, (coughs) saying, Where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, All continues just as it was from the beginning of creation. For when they maintain this, it escapes their notice that by the word of God, the heavens existed long ago and the earth was formed out of water and by water through which the world at the time was destroyed by flood, flooded with water. But by his word, the present heavens and earth are being reserved for fire kept for the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men. But do not let this one fact escape your notice, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is as a day. The Lord is not slow about his promise, as some count slowness, but he is patient toward you, not wishing that any would perish, but for all to come to repentance." But the day of the Lord will come like a thief in that which the heavens will pass away with a roar and the elements will be destroyed with intense heat and the earth and its works will be burned up. Since all things are to be destroyed in this way, what sort of people are you to be in holy conduct and godliness? Looking for the hastening of the coming of the day of the Lord because of which the heavens will be destroyed by burning, and the elements will melt with intense heat. But according to his promise, we are looking for a new heaven and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Therefore, beloved, since you look for these things, be diligent to be found by him in peace and spotless and blameless, and regard The patience of the Lord as salvation, just as also our beloved Paul, according to the wisdom given him, wrote to you, as also in his letters, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to understand, which the untaught and the unstable distort, as they do also the rest of the scriptures to their own destruction." You, therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, be on your guard that you are not carried away by the error of unprincipled men and fall from your own steadfastness, but grow in the grace and in the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory, both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. What verse 3 is saying there... Is you know that the last days are here. They yes, and this this was written about in the sixty A.D. Now we're at two thousand and twenty-one. He's saying these are the last days. A day is as a thousand years. A thousand years is as a day. You've seen it in verse nine. This is the hour. What is the hour? It's the hour when things are going to happen, and it's going to be slow. It started back in, let's go to the woman at the well. And these things are going to happen. The hour is coming. The day of the Lord is that hour. You know, the day of the Lord isn't just a specific day. It's a period of time which is really probably going to begin at the tribulation, the great tribulation for the seven years. But the real the day of the Lord is when Jesus actually lands on Mount Olive with one foot and the other foot on Jerusalem. And the earth is going to quake. Now, people are saying, how can a man have one foot in, in uh, Mount of Olives and one foot in Jerusalem? He must be awful big. Well, my mother used to tell me when I was a kid, I'd see the crescent moon, and she would say, that's God's fingernail, and by that's a lot bigger than what is portrayed by Jesus putting one foot in Mount of Olives and one foot in, in Jerusalem. He's a lot bigger to have his fingernail be floating in the sky like that, but I have to say to you, he's a whole lot bigger than that. When you consider the star of Betelgeuse in the belt of Orion, I think it's the middle star. He's, it's considered by scientists to be 420 billion years and billion miles in diameter. Wow, that's bigger than that. That means you could put the whole Earth all the way up to the Earth and its orbit, cut out the center of Betelgeuse, and you'd still have a couple billion miles on each side. That's how the hugeness of our God. But that's the day of the Lord when the Lord's going to touch down in Jerusalem and the temple's going to come down, and we're going to be reading that in chapter 11. Mockers are going to come. He's warning them just, what, 30 years after Christ was crucified, dead, buried, and risen. 30 years, there's already mockers. Where is the promise of your, his return? They thought he was supposed to come back in a week, a month, a year. Who knows? It's been 2,000 years. But it's written right here. He's not slow about his promise. He's patient towards us, not wishing that any would perish, but all would come to repentance. He's patient. He's going to wait till the last person that has a heart to chase after him, and then the end will come. Mockers will come. If you turn to Matthew 24, 24. I'll read you. Jesus told us about this. Matthew twenty four twenty four. For false prophets and false Christs will arise and will show great signs and wonders so as to mislead, if possible, even the elect. Behold, I have told you in advance. Jesus warned us. Peter's warning us. Paul warns us. And there's even Christians today that are saying that, oh, I can just go on sinning because, you know, he's been coming for 2,000 years. I think I can get away with the next 20 minutes or whatever it may be, or a night of uh, drunkenness and debauchery. And they think that way. Oh, I can just repent. Well, you've got a lot to learn because I have a feeling that when... Each of us is so bad in our sin, that's when the trumpet's going to sound. Because Genesis tells us that man's, the thoughts and the intentions of man's heart was continually evil. And that's why the Lord destroyed the, the world with flood. He was not just a thought, it was continually evil in their thoughts and in their heart. They would be saying, these mockers would be saying, where is the promise of his return? Everything in verse 4 continues just as it was. It's going to continue just as it was. It's been 2,000 years. I don't think he's coming right now. You're running out of oil, I'm going to tell you right now. You're backsliding if you think that way. Verse 8 is very clear. Well, let's go to verse 7 first. Being reserved for fire, for judgment. The earth is reserved for judgment. It's going to dissolve with fire. And we'll look at that as we go on a little bit too. Matter of fact, we just might uh, do that now. Well, let's go to, to verse 10 first. Last days will be like a thief. The heavens will pass away with a roar. The elements will be destroyed with intense heat. The earth burnt up, everything in it. All things will be destroyed in this way, like a flood. Jesus warned us also in chapter 24 of Matthew. He warned us verse thirty two I'll go to first thirty two therefore be on your alert, for you do not know which day or how your Lord is coming, but be sure of this: that if the head of the household had known what time the night in the night the thief was coming, he would have been on the alert and would have allowed would not have allowed the house to to be broken into for this reason. You also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour which you do not think. <coughs> think about this. The Lord is telling you, in the carnal flesh, if you knew the thief was coming at 2 a.m., you would sit there in your rocking chair with your shotgun on your lap, <coughs> so that when he breaks and enters, you can just haul him off to jail or shoot him, whatever, whatever happens. The Lord is telling you here, really, you don't need a shotgun. What you need is the sword of the Spirit, because the thief, he's referring to a carnal thief. With a, when carnality, you can, you can fight with a shotgun. But in the spiritual world, the thief is the devil. And the only way you can fight him is with the shield of faith and the sword of the Spirit. So you need to sit there when the thief comes and says, you know that where is the promise of his coming? Come on, let's go out and get drunk tonight. You can say, oh ho, ho, no, oh no, because you have the word of God. It is written, I shouldn't, I shouldn't get drunk or well, whatever. I shouldn't be doing that. And you're fighting then with the sword of faith and the shield of God. You fight in in the real and the in the heavenly world 2 Corinthians 10 chapter 3 let me turn there 2 Corinthians 10 For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not flesh, but they are divinely powerful for the destruction of forces. We are destroying speculations. And every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. And we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. And we are ready to punish all disobedience wherever your disobedience is complete. You can't fight the devil with carnal weapons. The thief is the devil. You fight him with the spirit. We're told in, second, in Ephesians 6 to put on the full armor of God by which we're able to stand against the enemy. We need to put it on when we fight the enemy. So when somebody comes up to you and says, is mocking the Lord, you can sit there and use the word of God. There's like 35,000 verses in the Bible and you can use any one of them to drive the devil away. It will be like a thief in the night. Even though it's been 2,000 years almost now, a day is like a 1,000 years with God, and a 1,000 years is like a day. So it's only the second day, if you go by a 1,000 years. It's only the second day. You know, you've got to remember, God lives outside of time. We live in time. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. If you look at that word, in the beginning, God created. The word create there in Hebrew is called reshith. It's reshith. It's really, there's what it says. In the beginning of time, God created. See, it's just talking about the beginning of time in Genesis. There was no time prior to the earth being, you know, the, the universe being established. God lives outside of time. So with one day is a thousand years, a thousand years Is at a day? And he's not slow about his promise. He wants everybody to repent. That's why the preaching goes on and on and on all around the world. The gospel has got to get into the last uh, whoever that hasn't received or hasn't heard of Christ. The heaven's going to pass away with a roar, says verse 10. It's going to pass away with a roar. We go to Colossians, and I'll turn there, Colossians chapter 15, let's read these verses. He is the image of the invisible God. This is a reference to Jesus, the firstborn of all creation. For by him were all things created, both in the heavens and the earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things are created through him and for him, and he is... He and he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. The Lord's holding this world together today. You think it's it's mankind? You think mankind's going to destroy the world with fire? I don't believe so, according to the Scriptures. The Lord is going to destroy the earth with fire when the end comes, when the true end comes. And all it's going to be is Jesus holds all things together here, it says in verse 17. He holds it all together. How... How does he do that? This whole world, the whole universe works at his command. He holds it all together. Scientists, I believe, cannot figure out how an atom even stays together. You got the proton and the neutron, it's like a magnet. If you put the same poles together, they retract. They retract. If you put them the, the positives together, you know, they 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 stick. But That atom is positive and and negative, and and the scientists are trying to figure out how how it holds together. Well, Jesus holds it together. Then we have the electrons that go around the the atom. Jesus, all he's got to do is release his grip, and the whole earth is going to be burned up with fire. He's in control. The elements will be destroyed, verse 10, by intense heat. The earth will be burned up. Everything. All things are destroyed this way, just like the flood. Since all things, verse 11 of Second Peter 3, since all things are to be destroyed in this way, what sort of people want you to be? Uh-oh. It's telling the church how we should act. What kind of people should we be? We should be, look, Holy in conduct. Holy in conduct. You know, I know people who run around, they claim they're Christians, and they're telling them how they're cheating on their wife. They're going to the gentleman's club to learn pornography, you know, to get involved in porn and lust. They're going on to the Internet and going onto to those websites of porno- and pornography. Well, he's telling you what kind of people you ought to be. Holy in conduct. If you're bragging, you're saying you're a Christian, but you're say uh, uh, into um, sodomy. That's not putting holy conduct on, because you know that God rained fire and brimstone on Sodom. I hate to be so blunt, but God is blunt. He loves you. He loves you, whatever sin you're in, whether you're in in. Sexual immorality, whether you're, you're uh, a drunk, whether you're a drug addict, he loves you. But he wants you to be delivered from those things. You should be holy in conduct. The church needs to be holy in conduct. You know, I say it many times. The wor- you know, the church is will- will- wishing and praying that the world repents while the world is looking at the church saying, When are they going to repent? 50% of people are divorced in Christian churches. The world is at the same rate. Christians claim to be Christians and they, they, uh, they're starting church of the, of the Sodomites, the gentleman's church, where a gentleman, when I was a kid, was someone who loved and respected women. That ain't no gentleman. He's a pervert. Should be pervert club. They're changing the, the dictionary definition of pervert of a gentleman. When I was a kid, gay was a happy person. My mother used to use that word all the time. Oh, she's gay. She's happy. She's luck going lucky, happy go lucky. Now they redefined it. Gentlemen, they redefined. It's not, it's not. Gentlemen is someone that respects and loves women. They have the church of the, the rainbow. Well, I would think rainbow. Well, I think of God when I think of a rainbow. But, you know, when I was in Pennsylvania years ago, I had a sign company. I started out in the 70s, okay? And my, I established my logo. Guess what it was? A rainbow. Back then, they didn't think of gay people as have taken over the rainbow. When I look at a rainbow, I think of God. He's saying he's not going to destroy the work. The world would flood again. I look at his covenant that he made with man. But they're trying to change the meaning of the rainbow. Who do you think's behind all that? you think it's demonic by any chance? I think it's definitely demonic. I've had people years as, as we moved into the 80s from my sign company. In, in the later years of the 80s, people actually stopped in my sign shop to ask me if I was gay. You can't change the meaning. We can't have a church, a a sodomite church. You're flaunting your sin. You can't have a church of the alcoholics because you're flaunting your sins. You can have the church of the delivered because you've been delivered from that. At one time, you were an alcoholic, maybe. At one time, you were a a drunkard or, or a drug addict or involved in pornography, but you're out of it now. The church is about Jesus Christ and him crucified. I haven't, I've even had a gay person a couple years ago ask me if they would be welcome in this church. And I answered them. I said, you will be welcome. But that's if you can stand under the conviction of the word of God. Because I'm preaching the full gospel here. God loves you, and so do I, and I hope you come. But you're not going to flaunt. My point was, you're not going to flaunt your sin in this church. Because I tell everybody, if I any knew all you married men were cheating on your wives, I'd be in your face. I would. Or any of you women cheating on your husbands, I will be in your face. Because I'm not going to allow that. Neither will God allow sin into your kingdom, into his kingdom. Who ever heard of Charles Spurgeon? Charles Spurgeon said this. Sin and hell are married until repentance proclaims the divorce. Sin and hell are married until repentance claims the divorce. You must repent. I preach repentance all the time. You wouldn't be surprised how many people tell me they go to this church and that church. They never have been, they haven't heard the word repent in 10 years. And I'm telling you, that's what one actually said to me. Jesus came on the scene, repent. John the Baptist came on the scene, repent. Jeremiah, Isaiah, Jonah, John the Baptist, Peter, James, John, came on the scene. Guess what? Repent. Repent that your sins might be blotted out in times of refreshing might come from the presence of the Lord. That's actually Scripture. That's Acts three 3.19. Mockers are going to come. Hey, we, we should be holy in conduct. We should be, next part, godly. Godliness. We should, we should be godly. We should put on a godly appearance. When people look at us, they should say, I want to be like him. And I know some of you, people have come up to you and said, what's different about you? Well, I'm a Christian. I believe in Jesus. That's what's different. We should be holy in conduct and godly. Micah tells us, what does the Lord require of us? that we do justly, love mercy, and walk humbly before the Lord. That's the way the church is supposed to be. That's holiness in, in conduct. And then he says that we should look for the hastening of His return. I, people have come to me and said, I don't, I don't want the Lord to come today. My daughter's getting married next week. She could be marrying Jesus today. Who cares about the wedding feast? You've got your sights, you're off sight. You aren't focused. Your focus is Jesus Christ, Him crucified, Him buried, Him dead, Him risen the third day, according to the Scripture. Your eyes shouldn't be on me, it should be reflecting into the Lord right here from what's being said from the pulpit. You don't follow the pastor, you follow the master. But when a pastor falls, a lot of people, they go AWOL. And that's not true. They were looking at the wrong entity. Hastening. I'm, I don't care what's happening in this world. If the Lord comes back in the next five seconds, I will be thrilled. And I think, every, what's, what's Peter saying? You should be waiting, hastening for his return. We should be praying, Lord, come quickly, Lord. Get us out of here. As the world gets darker, and I know America has been seeing this, the world's going downhill, not uphill. It's time to to repent and turn around and come back to the Lord because an hour is coming. And we're going to look at those hours as time goes on here. What will it result in? Looking for the hastening of His coming of the day of God because of which the heavens will be destroyed by burning, and the elements will melt with intense heat. Because there's going to come a day when it's going to end up that Jesus is going to release his grip, and everything's going to explode and burn up with fire, and then we're going to see the new heaven and the new earth come down from heaven, and that is the next verse, 13. But according to his promise, we are looking for... The new heaven and the new earth in which righteousness dwells. Twice this morning already I prayed with people and they said they were here's their prayer, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Twice. That's that's what God wants. Where righteousness dwells, He wants righteousness to dwell in America. Not only America, China, Japan. All the seven continents of the earth. A new heaven and a new earth. So that righteousness can dwell. And boy, we need a righteous king on the throne. You know, a monarchism church, a monarchy, is actually the best form of government if you can find a righteous person. And on earth, there is no such thing. I say all the time, Lord, why would you put me in a pulpit? I'm a sinner. And the Lord always answers me the same. He says, who else am I going to put? You're all sinners. Except Jesus. The only one he could put there is Jesus. And that's it. We're all sinners. Whatever your gift is, whatever God gave it, use it. Use it. You should be spotless and blameless. Verse 14. Therefore, beloved, since you look for these things, be diligent to be found by him in peace, spotless and blameless. We need to be blameless and spotless as best we can. Like I said, we're all sinners. We all fall short of the glory of God. But we need to try. Remember we talked about sanctification? And there's positional sanctification, which is your position in Christ. You are sanctified because of your position in Christ. Then there's progressive sanctification, which is where we live right now. We should be progressing in holiness. Are we? Are we? That's a question that only you or I can answer, but I think it from God, he's saying, not so much. And then there's perfected sanctification. When we see the Lord and our sanctification is complete and perfected because we're with the Lord. If you want to know something about sanctification, there's flyers on the back about a lamb. It says justification or sanctification on that. And, and you can see I give a good illustration about that. So be spotless and blameless in peace. Live a peaceable life. Here, 2 Timothy 2, 24 through 26. The Lord's bond servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to all, able to teach, if perhaps and uh, able to teach. Okay, I, I forgot it. Which I'm going to read it. Okay, that happens to me all the time. You have to review your memory verses, or or uh, you can lose it. And I do, but I I lose it anyhow sometimes. But the Lord's bond servant must not be quarrelsome. Kind to all, able to teach. If perhaps God should. Grant them repentance, leading them to the knowledge of the truth in order that they might escape the snare of the devil because they're being held captive by the devil to do his will instead of God's will. God wants us to be patient. He wants us to be, be kind. He wants us to, to, uh, to be blameless, spotless, living in peace. And he wants us to, to uh, live a holy life. Verse 15, in regard to patience of our Lord as salvation, just as also our beloved brother Paul. You can see how Peter has accepted Paul into, into the leadership of the church because God himself made him an apostle. And he's telling the church, yeah, Paul preaches these things and they're hard to understand. But he's saying to them, understand what Paul's trying to say to you. This is wisdom that he has, and all his letters, speaking in them of these things, in which some things are very hard to understand. Here, listen, you know why they were hard to understand? Here it comes, because they that we, they are untaught and unstable distort those who also the rest of the scriptures to their own destruction. He's telling them that those mockers that are coming are are they're actually doomed to their own destruction for teaching what they're teaching. They're untaught. They're unstable. Listen, you want stability in your Christianity? Christ Jesus is the center. There is none other. It's not not the church you belong to. It's not that you've been a Sunday school teacher for 15 years. It's not because you're a pastor's wife. It's not because you're the pastor. It's because you are ignorant. I could use that word, which is untaught, unstable. And what happens is it leads you to destruction. If you aren't reading your Bible, somebody can come along and, and lead you off the path. You have to read your Bible. I've had people that come in here for some counseling, one couple told me that they were down the beach here in Florida one day, and this guy come up the beach, and they claimed to be Christian, because I was in a church with them for several years, which I was a pastor in, and this guy came up the beach, and he came over to them, and he told them he was the Messiah. And they believed them and had him baptize them. You know why? Because they aren't reading their Bible. You need to read the Bible. That's where your wisdom and and that's where the ignorance goes and the stability comes. Paul tells uh, the Ephesian church to stand fast. Stand fast. And after all that you can do to stand, stand fast therefore. Twice. A double. A double whammy for you. Don't be an untaught. A lot of people come to me and say, God don't speak to me anymore. I said, You know what he just told me? He don't read his Bible. In the prior days, the former days, God spoke through the prophets, but in these latter days, he speaks through his Son. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And he dwelt among us. He put on flesh, the 14th verse of of John, chapter 1. And he walked among us. You've got to read the word. Sometimes God will speak through dreams. Sometimes he'll speak through miracles. Sometimes he'll give you a rhema word, which I, I told you some of mine last Sunday. But majority of the time, I'd say 98.6 times, times he's going to speak through his word. So read. The Word of God. And as I say all the time, a little devotional will not do it. Not in this dark, dark world. And in verse, let's say verse 17, be on guard concerning the error teachings by mockers who are unprincipled men. Be on your guard. You are to be watching and waiting. Hastening, which it says here about the Lord's return. Waiting, hastening for his return. You should be on your guard every day knowing that the Lord can come at any time. You know, people years ago thought Hitler was the Antichrist. People before that saw, thought that Epiphanes was the Antichrist in 164 B.C., which is where God delivered the the temple over to the Maccabees, which was a ragtag army, defeated a mighty army of the solutions, I believe they were. It couldn't happen unless it was a miracle. He claimed to be Christ. There was a band of Judean peasants that put up a resistance against them, and they took over the temple again. and brought it back to God. And that's why we have the Hanukkah candle today. The Jewish people celebrate the Hanukkah candle. Because there was only one day's oil left to light the lamp in the the, uh, temple. And it took eight days to make the oil, according to the scriptures. That one day's oil burned for eight days. It's a miracle. And that's why Hanukkah is highly accepted today. Be on your guard. Me being a a soldier at one time, I know what it's like to be on my guard. Our unit was troubled by snipers all the time in Vietnam. Snipers was was the uh, You know, we could get knocked off. you weren't on your guard, you could get picked off. You know, a lot of churches, they have, uh, you know, spiritually there's a guard tower. but they've emptied the guard towers because they aren't praying. They aren't praying the way Jesus said so, that you have authority to tread upon serpents and scorpions and all the power of the enemy. Nothing shall by any means hurt you. Your weapons aren't carnal. They're mighty through God. To pull down demonic strongholds, cast down imaginations and everything that exalts itself against God and brings into captivity every thought of yourself to the obedience of Christ. That's where we need to be. Be on the guard. The, you know the parable of the ten virgins, five, they had there was ten virgins, five ran out of oil and the other ones were, were ready when the Lord came back. There's going to be a lot of Christians that if they don't get right, the oil's running out, and the Lord's going to come and and you are going to have the oil to get in. And you know that oil is a representation of the Holy Spirit, right? Okay? the Holy Spirit you better have the Holy Spirit if you don't have the Holy Spirit if you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior the Holy Spirit will be here just like that into you he said it's expedient that I go away or else the Holy Spirit couldn't come once you receive Christ the Holy Spirit indwells you and then there's even further beyond that the baptism of the Holy Spirit which happened at Pentecost in Acts chapter 2 And also in Acts chapter 10, where you have the the Gentile Pentecost, where Cornelius, where the Holy Spirit fell upon them, and they began to speak with tongues and prophesy. And it happens today. God didn't just turn off the switch. Holy Spirit comes in, but he kind of like lives in the the heart area, like the Holy of Holies. But he didn't want to just be... In the Holy of Holies, remember Jesus turned over the money changer tables? He said, my father's house is a house of prayer. You made it a den of thieves. He wanted the Holy Spirit to take over the whole temple. This is the whole temple now. Jesus said, you destroyed his temple, meaning the building. He said, I'll raise it up in three days. You know what? He just turned a physical temple into a spiritual temple, which is us. We live in this temple. God wants to saturate you. And at Pentecost, when you are baptized in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit not only is in your heart, he just, since the curtain was torn, he just radiates through that temple, through this temple. That's a whole other teaching. And then Paul goes on, or Peter goes on. They fall, these unprincipled men that are in error, they fall by their own steadfastness. Yet the scriptures were told to stand fast. Stand fast. Then Paul gets in, or Peter gets into it, but here's how you do all these things, by growing in grace and in knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ and Savior, our Savior, to him be the glory. So you have to grow, Christian. If you're a Christian, you got saved last week, yesterday, or or if you were saved for 65 years, you need to grow in grace and in knowledge of the Lord. That's reading your Bible. All that to get into our real message today, which is an hour is coming. Jesus said this in John chapter 4 to the woman at the well. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, an hour is coming. Why did he say an hour is coming if he wasn't coming again? He, ain't a li- he isn't a liar like man. God is not a man that he should lie, a son of man that he should repent. He has spoken and he will do it. That's just the way it is. God speaks, it's done. He speaks that the heavens would be the heavens and they were, it was done. Jesus said to the woman, an hour is coming when neither this, in this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. We just read that in first, Second Peter verses, uh, chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. And we just went through it all. Listen, we don't worship in, in, in this temple, this building. We worship in this temple. This temple is worshiping the Lord. We need to worship the Lord with this temple. Number two, that one was already fulfilled. You know, when Jesus died, the Holy Spirit came came into us that believe, and it is fulfilled. You don't have to go to Jerusalem. You would spend a lifetime going to Jerusalem to see Jesus. you spend ten lifetimes, let me re-correct that, to get to Jerusalem to see Jesus if he was in there. But now you can see him right here in Lake Worth, Florida, right here in this little church. It's fulfilled. This has been fulfilled, and our is coming when we could worship him in spirit and truth. You can go into that little room there, or into the bathroom, and you can pray. And you can worship Him in spirit and truth. Number two. Jesus said this also in John sixteen thirty two. He said, Behold, an hour is coming and already has come. It's already here. For you to be scattered, each to his own home, and leave me alone. And yet I am not alone, because I am with the Father, and the Father is with me. You know that that's that's a prophecy about the disciples are going to disappear at the cross Jesus is going to die all alone on the cross his followers are going to take off the sheep were scattered the twelve disciples were scattered it's fulfilled but it also tells us deeper things you know that that we too as believers might be scattered and today No matter where I go, I've went on several mission trips. Belgium, uh, Brazil, Guatemala several times, Jamaica. Um, Everywhere I go, I run into Christians. You know why? Because the Holy Spirit and God is everywhere now, not just in Jerusalem. So because the hour is coming, Jesus is saying, live for me now don't be scattered but if you are scattered take the gospel with you you remember in the book of acts at pentecost you know they 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 came into jerusalem they heard heard the lord speak at Pente- peter speak at pentecost and they got saved some of these were 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 jews from rome some of them were from all over the the uh, europe and asia minor and they went home taking the gospel with them and Actually, persecution scattered the church to to the point where it it actually grew. And we know that when Korea opened up, we know that we thought the gospel was snuffed out, but we found out this church was stronger than it ever was. It's already come for you to be scattered, but if you are scattered, it's strong. These churches I've seen around different parts of the world, these churches were strong. Witches got saved, and now we're leaders in the church. Today, here's another one from Jesus. They will make you outcasts from the synagogues, but an hour is coming when everyone who kills you will think he will be offering service to God. There's an hour coming when Muslims will think, hey, I'll just fly these planes into two towers, and I'll kill all these Christians, and I'll have favor with God. Nonsense. What a bunch of idiots. I hate to use that word, idiot, from the pulpit, but I'll tell you what. They're even worse than that. They offer service to God by killing his creation. How about the Nazis of yesterday? Killing all those Jews, 6 million they claim to be, and Christians, by the way, because the Christians love the Jews, as we do today, at least I do, and they wanted to get them out of there before they got killed. Then there were those false prophets during the, uh, the, during the dark ages, when the church is like asleep in the light, as it is today. Those false prophets were killing the, the, the believers. They made them outcasts. They threw them out of the, out of the church. Herod did the same thing in biblical times. He killed the many, many, many Christians. The Sanhedrin and the Romans and you and me, we killed Jesus. We killed Jesus because but He redeemed us. Thank you, Lord. Let me go to John chapter 12. Verse 31. If you're turning with me. I love this verse. I like it because it needs to be taken in context. Now judgment is upon this world. This is Jesus talking. Now the ruler of this world is being cast out. And if I be lifted up from the earth, I will draw all judgment to myself. I know your Bible says men, I will draw all men to myself. It isn't, it isn't even, it is, it is in none of the manuscripts does it say men. The translators added it to clarify it. But if you look at that passage closely, what is the context? Verse 31, now judgment. Jesus be lifted up And he took all our judgment upon himself on the cross. You're free. You're clean. That's why this is Freedom Church. You are free in Christ. But don't abuse your freedom. Here's another point. Today, this is active. This is Jesus again speaking. He's saying these things. You know, an hour is coming when? Why is he saying these things? He's putting it together for us. He wants us to listen and hear and understand what he's saying. Here's, the f- here's number four. Today, these things, I have spoken to you in a figurative language. An hour is coming when I will no longer speak to you in a figurative language, but I will tell you plainly of the Father. And you know what? The Holy Spirit's presence in you right now tells you plainly who the Father is. Doesn't he? That's when Jesus told him. He says, it's expedient that I go away. So I can send a comforter. And if I don't go away, he won't come. But if I go, he will come. So it's saying, he's not going to speak to you in a figurative language. The Holy Spirit going to speak to you clearly. And you're going to hear, you're going to understand, you're going to obey. And he said, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Then you'll be my witnesses. In Lake Worth, Palm Beach County, Florida, the United States, and the world. The Holy Spirit is in you. His presence is in you. And He speaks to you clearly as you read the Word of God. And the Word of God, you've been reading that, the Word of God, when all of a sudden there's like a magnifying glass sticks out on one word or one, one sentence or one verse or one book. That's the Holy Spirit speaking to you very clearly. Number five, today and into the future. You too, be ready for the Son of Man, for He is coming at an hour when you do not expect. An hour is coming, Jesus is telling you. All these other things happen, and there's more. I don't have time to get into. An hour is coming when? But He's telling you there's an hour coming when the Son of Man comes. It's that day that Peter was talking about. The day of the Lord. He's coming again. But now, church, the church is in a season of waiting. We're in a season of waiting, and so far it's been almost 2,000 years. You know what, you can relate this to Luke chapter 2. Simeon was in the temple, and the Holy Spirit had spoke to him and said, he wasn't going to die until he sees the Lord's Christ, or the Messiah. And when Mary and Joseph brought that baby in, on the eighth day to get circumcised and prayed over, Simeon recognized the Messiah. He recognized the Messiah. He was in a season of waiting, and what did he say? Now, Lord, you can take your servant in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation. Jesus is your salvation. It isn't Mohammed or Bulda or Harry Krishna or any of those other people that think they're, they're God. Jesus is your salvation. Jesus said it very clearly. He says, He's the way. No other way. Many times. Jesus was bold. Some people try to make Jesus out of some kind of wimp that spoke, spoke uh, very softly. I'm going to tell you what. You don't speak to five, ten, fifteen thousand 10, 15,000 people if you don't have a powerful voice. He was strong at what he said. He said unless you believe in me you will perish. Simeon was in that time of waiting and unfortunately we are in this time of waiting right now. But you got to expect it could be today. I have people saying to me, well things aren't lined up yet. Listen, I'm going to tell you what. Then I can go out and sin all I want if I really believe that See, that's what most people would do, but they won't. I mean, I won't, because I know that it could be today. I believe the Antichrist is alive today. It isn't revealed to me yet. uh, The Bible tells us in Thessalonians that the Antichrist won't be revealed until the restrainer is taken out. And the restrainer is a reference to the Holy Spirit. That means we're gone with the Holy Spirit. The church is gone. That means the rapture has taken place. Well, rapture isn't mentioned in the Bible, no. No. Lord, you shall be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. 1 Thessalonians 4. Caught up. When it was translated into Latin, it's the Latin word raptus, and that's where we get the word rapture. We be caught up to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we'll ever be with the Lord. What a glorious day. That'll be. Hey, I look forward to that day. Look forward to his uh, hastening of his coming, his return. To get us out of here. I don't like living in this body of sin and flesh. I really don't. It's weak. You get older. Your bones creak. You know, you're you're separated from your first love, Jesus Christ. Some people, though, are going to get discouraged in this waiting period. They're going to run out of oil for their lamps. And they're going to go out to buy more oil, which means they're going to go out and, you know, into, who knows, sin or whatever, because they ran out of the Holy Spirit. It's like, like you could put one grain of gunpowder in a bullet, and it might make a bang. But if you put 120 grains of gunpowder in a bullet, and you fire it, it goes, boom. I used to load bullets with my dad when we were when I was a young man, 30-06, 270. Some are getting discouraged. They're giving up. They think this is a fairy tale. They think David and Goliath didn't really happen. How could Jonah be swallowed by a whale and live for three days? How can Solomon pull the poles over on, uh, on, the, on the temple and kill all those Philistines? They're not Bible stories. I say all the time, these are Bible truths. It's true. Jesus even verified that because here's what he said. He even verified Jonah and the whale. He said, unless I be in the heart of the earth three days and three nights, like Jonah was in the belly of the great fish. Jesus actually said, this really happened. He really, he verified it. So it's no, not a story, it's a truth. Jonah got swallowed by a whale. Pro- most likely a whale. It says a great fish. Back then, they didn't know the difference that whales have lungs. They thought they had gills, for all I know. And they didn't know that a whale has like two or three stomachs, like a cow. So God designed the whale for that pers- specific purposes, purpose swallow Jonah so he would go into Nineveh and preach the gospel and they repented he thought they were so bad I wouldn't save them God listen nobody's beyond salvation I've seen people that I thought would would never get saved and they got saved before the people that go to church on Sunday I had a fellow walk into my Bible study and, he's, and he made fun of us the first time he passed as we were studying the Bible. I had the door open to my sign shop. There was a bar right next door, and about three, four doors up the street was another bar, and they used to bounce from bar to bar. And we'd open a garage door. We'd have a Bible study with a table there, and we'd sit there, who knows, six, seven, two, three, you know. And, and one guy come walking between the two bars, and he looked in with his buddies, and he started laughing. What are you having? a Bible study? We said, yeah, you go come on in. And they left, went over to the bar, and then one of them came back later. And he says, can I come in? I says, "Yes, yeah, sit down. So he came in, he listened to us, and he got saved that night. And he told us that he was the president of a motorcycle gang in the city of Pittsburgh. And he got saved that night. And about a year later, his mom and dad got saved. His dad died. They had a memorial. They wanted me to speak. I said, listen, Terry, you do the speaking. Because his buddies all dressed up in leather, motorcycles, right? I didn't have no leather, and I certainly didn't have a motorcycle. So he preached. And you know about 50% of those friends of his got saved. People you would think would never get saved. They were rough characters. Listen, there's a season of waiting going on right now, but don't run out of holy out of the Holy Spirit. Wait upon the Lord, and He'll renew your strength like the wings of an eagle. You're gonna have pain. We're gonna have tears. We're gonna have trials. We're gonna have uncertainty. We're gonna live. uh, You're gonna have temptations, and we're gonna have sufferings, and even a broken heart. But you've got to keep on believing. Jesus said this. One person said, How do I do to do the what do I do to do the work of God? And you know what Jesus said? That's John chapter 6, I think verse 29. He said, They said, What do I do to do the work of God? And here's what Jesus' answer was believe in me. So it's that simple. You want to do the work of God? Believe in Jesus. And you will do more good works than you ever have before in your life because you are in love with God Almighty, the King of kings. Today also, in the future, is another one where Jesus says this. For This is Matthew 24, and I won't read the whole passage because you know it. I'll just paraphrase it. For the rea- this is Jesus talking. For this reason, you also must be ready. For the Son of Man is coming at an hour when you do not think. In Matthew 24, he tells you this. But of that day, nobody knows. I don't even know. But there's going to be a day when two men are going to be working, and one's going to be taken, and the other one's left. Two women are going to be in the field, and one's going to be taken, and the other one's left. That's coming. The Lord's telling you right now. You know, a day is coming when he's coming. Be ready. Don't sit there. You're going to sit there with, and you better be ready for him. Like the the man that was sitting in his house, if he knew that his thief was coming. Listen, you be ready. You sit in your house and wait for Jesus' return at any second, because it could be any second. I hope it's today. I really want to get out of here. I said, do not love the world or the things in the world, for all that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the boastful pride of life. It's not from the Father, it's from the world. There's going to be a time when people are just going to disappear. In this church, most of you I know well, and I tell you what, the person if there's a person left behind, he's probably going to be the next preacher of Freedom Church. Because he's going to see a miraculous Salvation. An hour is coming, number seven, and it's today and for the future when children... Here's what Jesus said. Children, it is the last hour. Don't think that it can't happen today. You're going to be sorry. Well, some of you don't think it's happening today and you're living a good life. That's right. That's okay. But don't think you can go out and act foolishly or, or um, you know... Um, take advantage of the freedom you have in Christ. As I said before, Hitler was thought to be the an Antichrist. Epiphanes was thought to be an Antichrist. There's one more, and I'll end it. This is yet future. Jesus is talking again in John chapter 5 and verse 25. Truly I say to you, an hour is coming and now is when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of Man and those who hear will live. I think it has a double whammy to it. He's saying that if you're you're a a person today and you don't know Jesus, he's saying, you're dead. You're dead if you don't know me. The day is coming when you're going to hear my voice. I hope today is the day, for those of you are on the internet or anybody in this place, I hope that today is the day that you hear his voice. And he says the dead will be raised. That means if you're alive today, but you're really dead in the spirit, and you come to know Jesus, your spirit comes alive, that means that you will live forever. But then it also is talking about All that are dead in their tombs, they're going to come before the Lord because they're going to hear His voice at the white throne judgment, the great white throne judgment, which is for unbelievers. And unfortunately, those dead will remain dead in their sins. I'm waiting for that trumpet to sound. For the Lord himself is going is to descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and the trump of God, and the dead in Christ, whether they be alive, shall be raised up. All who are alive and remain will be caught up to meet the Lord in the air, and thus you'll always be with the Lord. But right now, even in the church, and in the United States of America, the warning that was given to Isaiah, chapter 5 and verse 20. He says this. This is God talking through Isaiah. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil. Woe to those who call darkness light and light darkness. Woe to those who call bitter sweet and sweet bitter. America, even the church, is in a dire situation. We call evil good and good evil. It's okay to kill babies. No, it's not. They're created in the image of God. And their life begins at conception. You can read Psalm one thirty nine and David will tell you how he was formed in his inner worth and in the inner words parts of his mother. It's okay to lie and cheat and to steal. It's okay to cheat on your wives. They call darkness light, light darkness, good evil and evil good, bitter, sweet, sweet bitter. What happened to this world? What happened to us? It starts with us, church. It starts with me. It starts with you. People say, well, I want a, re- a revival to come. Listen, the revival's already here. The problem is the people aren't listening. Listen. Here's what the Lord says. I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me. Ezekiel, chapter 7, verse 6. It's going back thousands of years, okay? Here's what he says. The end is coming and has come. Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied, and he said this, The Lord comes with myriads of his saints. From the beginning of time, we know that the Lord's coming. has yeah, a first coming and a second coming. We know that the first coming has already been done. The second coming is coming. And it is here now. It could be today. A day is, is a thousand years. A thousand years is a day. And in the last chapter of Revelation, chapter 22, Jesus doesn't want you to miss this, and we're going to end it here. And I want anybody that doesn't know Jesus to get up to this altar. If you've been playing games with Jesus, get up to this altar. I've already been here. I wouldn't ask you to do anything that I haven't done myself. Here's what Jesus says in the last chapter of Revelation, and he says it twice. He's saying it, it's imperative because he's saying it twice. In the seventh verse, he says, Behold, I am coming quickly. And then listen to this Blessed are those who heed the words of this prophecy of this book. Blessed are you if you heed his word. He's coming quickly. Get to this altar. And then he says in the, 20, in the 12th, 13th, 14th verse, Behold, I am coming quickly. My reward is with me to render to every man according to what he has done. I am the Alpha, the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. I was dead. I wa- uh, uh, blessed are those who wash their robes that they might have the right to the tree of life and they may enter the gates of the holy city you got to wash your robes. Isaiah 61.10 says that the Lord clothe you with the robe of his righteousness. So if you're covered with the robe of his righteousness, the Lord smells the aroma of his beautiful son. And he says, well done, my good and faithful servant. Come into your kingdom created for you. So listen, church, I love you all. This could have been a powerful message, and I hope it was. I hope it drove you to your knees. And if you don't wait to get home, get up to this altar tonight, today. I love you. Take care, and God bless. Now unto him who is able to keep you from falling, to present you faultless before his throne with exceeding joy, to the only wise God and Savior, Jesus Christ, be glory majesty, dominion forever and ever. Amen. Amen. I love you.